Welcome to episode 96 of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. After a week off, we have a lot to get to. We've been saving it up. We're going to bring you the goods. This guy's going to bring the energy, bring the hot takes. It is Mr. Terry Dunfield. I am Gareth Wheeler. Thrilled to have you along, not only on TorontoFC.ca, iTunes, but TSN 1050 Radio as well. Terry, I haven't seen you for a while. How you doing, pal? I'm good. I'm, good. I'm ready to bring the hot takes. I like the sound of that. Bring yeah. the hot takes. Now, we were off last week. TFC played last Wednesday night. We're going to... We're going to bring you up to speed on everything that's played out over the last two games. Look ahead to this Sunday against New York City FC as well. But you were on Gold Cup duty. You were Mr. Gold Cup. I like gold. <laughs> I don't know about Mr. Gold <laughs> Cup. But. Well, I think we should give you that title. You, Kelsey Braid, KJ, uh, who else? Stevie Luke. Stevie Luke, of course, did a great job covering that tournament. I went down to Houston to see United City. Guess who won that game, Terry? What happened last night, though? I think City won and United lost. Yeah, yeah. I think we stuffed Real Madrid 4-1. Went down to Houston, saw United oh, yeah, beat City 2-0. And, of course, if, if you listen to this podcast, if you're familiar with Terry, former City player, but, but I guess you put that in the rearview mirror, right? It was your first preseason Wheeler, match. United legend. Yes. Absolute legend. Yes, yes. So uh, was it worth going? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? It was a ton of fun. Houston's kind of a dead city, though, right? Like... You've been down there uh, to play games against the Houston Dynamo. It's one of my favorite stadiums on the circuit, though. I love playing there. Always enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. Found a good brewery right down the street. Right. So we we made it a good time. (laughs) But it's so hot that people aren't outside. It's disgusting. As soon as you walk outside, you're like, I need another shower. It's brutal. See, the thing was, I thought it was so hot that I wasn't even sweating. Like, it was just like the sweat would... Like basically, for a game, me. my ritual was I used to love to go for a walk on my own. I was, people think I was a bit of a weirdo, but I get my thoughts together, get psyched and pumped for the game. I'm just 20 minutes cruising around the city, but it was that hot in Houston. You couldn't even go for a walk uh, around the city. So I was like walking around the hotel lobby. People were thinking I was nuts every time I was Stayed there. at a good hotel. Thanks to Ted from Toronto FC for the reco. Ted is top man, by the way. You recommend you a hotel. Uh, he recommended one, and he's going to get thousands of emails now. <laughs> I, I, I literally, like, literally, me and my me and my buddy Paco walk into this hotel. Oh, there's Manchester United. The entire team was like right there. Oh, I saw your I saw your picture. Romero was like Romero was in the lobby. Then all of a sudden, Eric Bailly. Bailly was right I saw there. your picture with Bailly. Yeah. You look like a player. I think I think Paco and I could still play a little bit. I heard someone say Scolzi maybe or yeah, <laughs> he scores goals. No, but it was just it was just a good time, um, and which kind of brings us up to pace now of where we're at. Toronto FC, the bye week's done. That's in the rearview mirror. They played two games since, and now the Gold Cup's done, so everyone returns and basically a full squad. We'll get into the injuries, the status, and we'll kind of reflect upon the last couple weeks as well. We might as well start off. After and coming out of the bye week, it was, I guess, two Wednesday nights ago that Toronto FC played at Yankee Stadium. They were short men. Um, they were down eight regular players entering the matchup. And Greg Vanny had to put together what was a makeshift team going up against one of the hottest teams in MLS in New York City FC. It ended up a 2-2 final. On the night, there was a little bit of everything, Terry. Javinko left the game early through injury. There was controversy with the goal being called back. Greg Vanny was kicked out of the match and a dramatic late equalizer, Victor Vasquez, from the penalty spot. Where do you want to start in terms of what and how things played out? And what was a wild night at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, it really was. Entertaining game. So many talking points. Maybe start with the lineup. 
yeah, sure. th that he picked. He, he kept faith with, with Morgan and Alseth, which I like. Two players who get better with a couple of games under the belt, a little bit of continuity in the lineup. I like that. It was a bit of a surprise for me that he went with Spencer instead of Hamilton up top. Me too. But, uh, but I thought Spencer did okay. Yeah. He, he was fine. He set up the, the first goal of the game, and it was a big goal at that. When your longest-serving player, longest-tenured player, goes out and scores his first goal, that's a big deal. In game number 99, the Wayne Gretzky match, it was Ashton Morgan finding the back of that good finish in front of goal as well. Yeah, it was a real composed finish. Every time I can't I believe see, he hadn't scored yet. For the last six months when I see him around the training ground, I keep slumping my shoulders. Is it coming? When's that goal coming? <laughs> and he said, don't worry, don't worry. It's coming, Dunfield. So anyway, congrats to Ash on that. That'll mean the world to him. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good goal. Delgado makes a good run forward on the throw-in. Uh, it sort of ricochets to Ben Spencer. Ben Spencer does really well to dig across out to the back post, albeit a little bit of a deflection. Comes to Ashton Morgan and he was like Rude Van Nistelrooy. So much composure. Just feels it into the back of the net. Uh, absolute clinic, clinical finish from Ashton Morgan and TFC go up 1-0. On this TFC team, you gotta love playing that left wing back position. Like, J-Mo's become a goal scorer in this league. It's just this system allows for that outside player to get forward. It really does and what I find is outside, a lot of the players in the outside sort of attacking role, so wide players in this league are attacking-minded players. that they, they sort of switch off a little bit, and I think that's why TFC have a lot of joy as well. And I thought Harrison, who's so good going forward, he just switches off at the back post and allows Ashton to get in. How good was Benoit Sheru on the night? Like, he was spraying balls. There, he played the one ball, Why left Ashton again, played a great cross in the middle to Seba, who missed an absolute sitter. How rare is that? Went down hurt. He had to leave the game. Played the little ball over the top to Victor Vasquez in the first half as well. Like, TFC should have probably had a bigger lead than they did. Yeah, I thought Sheru was phenomenal. And uh, I, I keep telling him, I text him after a game. And he, as we know, he helps me out with the under-14 team. And he keeps saying, like, don't be surprised. I've been doing this for 20 <laughs> years. I've got it in the bag. No it, no problem at all. I thought how he controlled the tempo of the game on both sides of the ball was, was very good. His passing where he was lending balls to then go wide, to then play balls in between when the back line steps up. I thought the small pitch suited him. And then defensively, again, he organized players around him, won some big tackles in the middle of the park as well. So Seba comes off before halftime. The good news is it wasn't a serious injury, but ruled him out for that Just night. Just before that, though, I, I, I want to sure. say I've got it written down. I thought Bono made a huge save uh, off of Tommy Mack after... Uh, a massive save. Yeah, Harrison does well to get half a yard on Morgan. The ball kind of falls back into t to Tommy Mack and comes out, makes himself huge. Such positive goalkeeping to keep TFC up at one night. And I'm glad you brought that up because there was another play late in the game when TFC was down 2-1. I forget who it was, but Jason Hernandez came sliding Huge in. block, yeah. A massive block. Like Those are the plays that you sometimes gloss over and don't talk about later that keep your team in a game. Hernandez really put his body on the line. Good, yeah, good, and you know he uh, wanted that too, call. right? Because uh, old club. inexplicably, I mean, he played all the way up until the last game of the season last year and then was put on the bench. And then, obviously, the New York City FC defensive group melted down against TFC in the playoffs. So it was a bad look for Patrick Vieira. And you knew that Hernandez wanted to go out and show, hey, I still have something left. In the I tank. think Vieira's more or less come out now and said he made a couple of decisions with his goalkeeper as well. Where he just didn't got one or two wrong at the end of last year. Um, so, so Vanny was ejected. I want to get, get to that goal that was called back in a moment. But Vanny, if you talk to him now, he'll tell you he was still fuming 
from the first goal that TFC conceded because the ball was played into Ben Spencer and the player came straight through him, no call. The ball went the other way. I believe it was Shea Rue with sliding challenge, bad bounce, Harrison DeVia back in the net. But it was the fact that there was no call on Ben Spencer. I know that riled him up. Great finish by Via, Terry. You know, fair enough. He's going to get his. But just the way the goal played out didn't sit well with the Yeah, I thought it was a foul. I agree with uh, Coach Greg Vanny. Uh, Hernandez steps on that play to try to win the ball back. He doesn't win it. I think in the middle of the park, Benoit Cheru has a chance to win it, possibly Delgado. Uh, but after that... It's such a quick release from David Villa. It doesn't even give Bono a chance to set. His back lift is very short, and he just strikes it with his the outside of his right foot. It's 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 a real good uh, good finish from him. Well, and and Villa last weekend against Chicago, yeah. like back to back. Oh, what a he scored that. in four straight games, Terry, and his last two goals have come outside the eighteen. That volley was something else. Yeah, yeah, but that was that'll be goal of the season. That was even better than his goal from halfway. I mean, what a season he's having! So he still runs like he's twenty-eight. It's it's incredible the shape he keeps. He's Thirty-five himself in. is your age, buddy. That's <laughs> a rub it in. <laughs> ben Washer is thirty-six. Yes, um, but no. What will disappoint the team and Greg and the coaching staff is the time they conceded. There's enough experience into this team to know you're away from home. You're one nil up. Uh, you don't want to concede just before halftime. Another bad goal right right at the start of the second half, just because of the way it played out. It was V on the counterattack, played the ball to his right, and the shot attempt was deflected by Mavinga and passed Bono. Like, really, I look at both goals, I'm like, there's not much the goalkeeper could have done on either one. No, I think maybe he has a chance at the first one, but I've watched it a couple of times. He, he's not able to set himself, and it's passed him before he even dives. On the second one, I think it's great hold-up play from David Villa. It comes from New York or deep in their own half, a long ball up into David Villa, clever little one-two with the heel of his foot with Morales. Morales carries his run on into the box. And for me, the goal stems from Chris Mavinga. He just drops too deep on the play, which allows David Villa to slide the ball to Morales. Morales gets a little bit of luck on his shot, hit deflects off. Mavinga and goes into the back of the net. But I think there, Mavinga has to be brave and keep the line high up the pitch. So so you're down 2-1. Javinko's out of the game. You're undermanned. I, I really think that TFC responded well. Raheem Edwards came into the game. He was a spark plug right away. And he knew he'd been sitting on the bench with the Canadian team. Didn't get into a game in the Gold Cup. Comes back. And I thought he was just great when he came on. Vasquez quality, Sheru quality. TFC started to take the game to New York City FC. Then the call, the goal that was called back, Terry, was it offside? Was it onside? Benoit Sheru wide left, plays the ball across. Chapman kind of misses the ball, went up to get it, maybe got a touch on it. Comes to Ben Spencer, not, not his best header, but hit it right in the path of Jay Chapman and into the back of the net. The team celebrates a minute and a half later after Jack Harrison goes to the linesman, then goes to the referee, then the linesman and the referee come together, then they call it back. That was the last straw for Greg Vanny. Lost it. He's thrown out of the game because he rightfully said, he didn't swear at him, just said you're having a shocker ref, which, which, which he was. He's out of the game, and TFC looked like they'd equalized. It was deflating, but at the same time, like, Okay, if you're not going to have VAR, VAR is coming to play in August MLS 5th. in August. August okay? 5th. 
that's a play that, okay, if you take a minute to, to, to take another look at it, take a look at it from all angles, and it calls back a goal, that's fine. But having Jack, uh, Jack Harrison be the arbiter here, bringing these groups together to make that decision, that doesn't sit well, especially when it comes so late. And the problem is, even with the television angles, the one from behind the goal made it look like Chapman was onside, but the one from the side, because it's not perfectly straight across, made it look like he was offside. Exactly. So you can't call it back in that scenario. It was maddening. It, it just it just it drove me crazy seeing the way it played and, out. And Greg's a real pragmatic, deep thinking manager who doesn't fly off the handle. For so for him to lose it, it, it must have taken a fair bit. And there was enough there. I think it shows that refs can be still influenced by players and by Jack Harrison getting around the officials that happened there. From the naked eye, when I first watched it, I thought it was offside. When you watch the replays, it's 100% offside. Just going back to the goal, I think it's You think it was 100% offside? Onside. 100% oh, onside. onside. Okay, okay. My, from a naked eye, my first view, I'm, I'm was thinking off. it's offside. But when, when I rewatched it a few times, 100% onside. It, it, the goal actually comes from quite a TFC high press. It's quite clever. Vasquez gives a passing lane. The New York, t- New York City player says, yeah, I'll take that. No, no, you won't. Vasquez steps in, wins the ball, and then all of a sudden TFC are very direct and quick on the counter. The ball comes to the back post. Ben Spencer carried his run into the box. He's in a great spot. I think you were kind in saying it wasn't the best header. It was a brutal header. He banks it off of Chapman, who's still onside, and into the back of the net. For me, it's a, it's a legitimate goal, and at that point, that's a turning point you in the game. You can't call that back. No. You know, like, th- that is altogether frustrating why so many people you know just are fed up with MLS officiating and it's not bad across the board but it's big calls like that that define games and and that's why I don't blame Greg Vanny for you know he was suspended for the next game but I don't blame him for what he had to say full credit to TFC though they kept on kicking on punching on New York City had their chances as well but TFC pushed on and inevitably found the equalizer in the 90th it was a game I didn't want to end I, I thought TFC caught their second wind and, and if anything we're going to go on and win it I, th- I thought Raheem Edwards did really well he was unlucky not to play at the Gold Cup I thought um, Davies obviously did well there was a game where De Jong played where Raheem could have played and they and they went with a little bit more of a defensive shape so Raheem came back early uh, I don't think as I've said all the way along, Laren should have gone to the Gold Cup. They should have kept Raheem there. But TFC benefited from him coming back. It was a wonderful diagonal ball in behind to Jordan Hamilton. Great control, Hamilton too. uses his body extremely well to get his body in between Allen and the ball. It's a rash tackle. It's awful from Allen to concede the penalty. But the first touch from Jordan's perfect. Uses his body well. And then uh, once Vasquez steps up, you know it's going to be Vasquez outweighted Sean Johnson, kissed it in off the post. <laughs> little makeout session with the woodwork. <laughs> I like that. Kissed it off the <laughs> two post. Two for two on the year and converted penalties. 2-2 two, two draw. Great result for TFC considering who they didn't have available. When Javico goes out, they're missing nine guys. What team in MLS can go to New York City, get a point the way that TFC did, missing nine regulars? And, and the game's turned on its head. It's a, Ashton did really well to feel that ball back into the box. For, and if Javinko scores there, so I don't know it's a little bit behind him, TFC go up 2-0, going into halftime. Then in the second half, you can just shut, shut, shut up shop. But unfortunately, Javinko doesn't score, and he picks up an injury. So huge character for the team without the talisman to come back and get at least a point. Shea Rue is my top red for that match. Th- thought he was the man of the match. I agree with you. Uh, which didn't bode well or didn't carry over to the next game on Saturday on short break for Toronto FC. 
This is the Come On You Reds podcast. Gareth Wheeler alongside Terry Dunfield. So the 2-2 draw in New York meant that Toronto FC remained atop the table in MLS and in the Eastern Conference. It was a great result. Then they're coming home against the Colorado Rapids, a team that's joint worst in terms of point total in MLS. They had 19 points coming in. Terry, they hadn't won a game. They hadn't picked up a point away from home. And we're here getting towards the end of July. How does that happen? Especially when that's a team that was in the Western Conference Championship games last year. Yeah, and they're a team that grinded out results last year. That They were difficult to score on. Uh, Tim Howard, he's away at the Gold Cup. So it was, on paper, perfect time to meet this side. Uh, but Colorado put in an inspired performance. Yeah, TFC made a couple changes to their 11. Zavaleta came in for Hernandez. Um, up up top, things change a little bit. Good thing, the good news was that Sebastian Javinko was fit and good to go. Jay Chapman ended up getting the start, so you didn't have that traditional second striker alongside Javinko. I mean, those are the notable changes. And Clint Irwin, I like this playing the former Rapids goalkeeper against his you know former club. I just think that that shows an awareness by the coaching staff that there's some games that ma- that mean more to certain players. I think so. I think also the transfer window's open as well, and it's putting him in the shop window you a little so? bit. Yeah. Uh, it was good to see Haglin back. He, he came back in, in the center of the back three after being out for eight, nine weeks with an injury. I thought Raheem, who came in for Morgan, was excellent. In midfield, they went back to almost like a box, how they played at Seattle away where they Sheru and Delgado sat in front of the back three and then Vasquez and Chapman just ahead of them and I thought until Benoit Sheru got injured it was as well as TFC had played all year some of the football in the first 40 minutes was excellent I think Javinko likes playing up top on his own don't get me wrong him and Altidore's best partnership in the league but I think he enjoys just playing up there on his own and Endo he came in on the right hand side and it's as good as I've seen him play for the first glad you brought up Haglin I I wrote it down in my notes I just skipped right over it and the game started perfectly for TFC. They score a goal six minutes in. When you're looking for your first goal in Major League Soccer, you just don't want to have to wait on it. Jay Chapman thought he had it on Wednesday night. <laughs> Didn't have to wait long. A couple days later, does find the back of the net. I said this on, the, on our post-match on the after 90. I'm like, he'll tell his kids one day it was a worldie. But it was a scramble in front of the goal. He just had to tap it in. But I feel good for Jay. Like, he didn't have to wait on it. But it was the pass by Vasquez trying to get in behind the back line. It's showing a little bit of cutting edge that created the goal. Javinko over the top, played the cross. Wonderful ball, catches McMath, the goalkeeper out. And Endo and Chapman combined to eventually put the ball back in the, in, yeah, into the back I, of the I net. I thought Chapman... That goal happened at four or five minutes into the game, but just leading up to that, I thought he had a real bright start to the game. He was picking the ball up in a couple of pockets. He was clever with his passing, a couple good balls around the corner. So there was he was playing with a real skip to his step. I agree with you. The pass from Vasquez to Javinko was excellent in behind. Earlier on in the year, Javinko's looking to get that to his feet, but he checks short to then go in behind. Doesn't quite get to him. Defender gets a piece of piece on it. It looks like it's going to go out for a corner. A lot of players let that go out for a corner. But Javinko's awareness is good. He sees goalkeepers off his line a little bit. He digs out across to the back post. Endo's unlucky not to score uh, with his attempt. And then it falls to Chapman. And it's a real tough header. He's on his back foot. There's not a lot of pace on it. And he puts it back across the keeper. I, I thought that from that point on, Toronto FC would put it in Tom Cruise control. Like, really, I thought the game was done and dusted. And this is where I'll be a, a little bit critical of Toronto FC on the day far too complacent. 
And I thought in the first half, Vasquez and Sheru kept on playing these beautiful 35-yard balls on a platter across field. Problem was, when the ball went to the wing, TFC ended up turning the ball back and resetting every time. When you play a ball like that, take advantage of the space created, and they simply did not. Terry, the team for me on the day, overall, over the course of 90-plus minutes, far too complacent. I know Colorado is difficult. They put 11 guys behind the ball. They're going to be difficult to break down, but you need to almost try to force the issue a little bit more when you're playing a team like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought for the first 40 minutes until the injury, as, as I touched on earlier, TFC played some excellent stuff. Yeah, they did get it into wide positions, and at times were a little bit too safe, wanted to just keep possession rather than Yes, you've created that isolation 1v1, and you've got two very attacking players in Endo and Edwards out wide who can get at fullbacks, get to the byline, get crosses in, or look to sort of connect and play with others, but that didn't quite happen. I thought Delgado was brilliant. I thought Sheru was good. Chapman and Vasquez just ahead of them were good, and I, I was gutted for the team when um, Sheru came off injured because all of a sudden that dynamic changed a lot and all of a sudden the main man in the middle of the park sort of directing traffic and pulling the strings was now Delgado and he's not used to being that player. Right. And that was the tur- that was the t- that was really the turning point of of the game. Sheru coming off goes into a challenge, looked kind of innocuous, right? It didn't look like much. Turns out to be a grade 2 calf tear. He's miss he's now out 8 weeks. Has. You knew that he was in pain right away. You could tell. Sheru's not a player that stays down like that. No, he's not. And, and when something off the ball happens like that, you're a little bit worried. I, I thought it might have been his Achilles. And he's played a little bit of football. New York was a heavy pitch. He's come back. Uh, and, and I'm sure he's been training hard to stay in the team. And at 36, uh, calves are one of the things that go. That's what ended up St- ended Stevie Caldwell's career. I'm sure he'll be sure. back. I'm not saying he's done. But but it's a massive blow. And he'll hopefully be ready to score another winner in the playoffs. No Greg Vanny. Um, I wonder if Vanny was on the touchline. And I'm assuming that he would. He would have made a similar change. Tosse Ricketts came on. It wasn't like for like. And Marky Delgado went back and played that defensive midfield role. Yeah, I think um, with so many players away at the Gold Cup still, injuries, there wasn't a lot of options to the bench. Uh, I think Tosaint Ricketts was the most experienced. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. Him and Javinko have worked well up top, but it put a lot of pressure on Marky Delgado. There's a big difference between being the player that plays with the main midfielder than being the main number six. TFC then started to struggle a little bit. A lot of square balls. But they did create a very good chance early on in the second half. Jay Chapman split two defenders down the right-hand side, clearly fouled, and the referee Juan Guzman Jr. just Junior. before halftime, the chance he skies it over the box right. as well. That was a good opportunity, right. too, where he's just lacked a little was bit of composure. Was that right at the start of the second half yeah. or right at the, right at the beginning of the, of the second half? Right at the beginning of the second, second half. Second half, yeah. right before that, that. Yeah, he missed a, I think it was like the first minute of the half. Yeah. Um, and then Chapman down the right-hand side was fouled. The referee allowed play to continue, goes into the box, and he's fouled again. Did the referee get it right, Terry? He got it right playing advantage, but should he have given the foul in the box, or was he right to bring it back outside the 18? Because for me, that should have been a penalty. Okay, before I answer the question, I am super biased to TFC, so I'd love to say a penalty, but I've watched it numerous times. There's contact outside the box, so the ref's right. You have to take it back to where the initial foul is, and he gets it spot on by. He tries to play an advantage. The advantage doesn't come. He's, again, hacked in the box, so there's a foul there, but the initial contact's outside the box. See, but he was just kind of pulled back. 
Like the foul inside the area was much more egregious. Yes, I agree. That's why for me it was a bailout. He bailed out Colorado. He's like, ah, oh, there was a little bit of a pull. I always like to say game on, play on. Chapman like went right through, and the foul in the area for me was more decisive. So he, he used a loophole. So what you'll see me. now, which is interesting, which comes in, we, we just got schooled on the VAR and, and how that works. So if there's anything, so VAR does mistaken identity, goal line, goals, and penalties penalties and red cards so th those four things so if there's anything leading up to that decision in that attacking phase of play that says there was a foul the ball goes out of play someone pulls someone back then whatever that decision is that then gets called back so, so it'll be a little bit similar to to that um one with chapman does that make sense yep yeah i, I get it i don't like it the way that it played out me too for it's me that's frustrating that should have been a penalty and maybe i'm old school that way like I, I've seen so that happen played, so I, many I times. I see thinking. So you've, players, play, you've, you've played your advantage. The player's strong enough. Yes, he's he's honest enough not to go down. Yes. he carries on. So that now that advantage should be gone. Yep. So we're now on to the new play. Yes, and that's why you're saying it's a penalty. So that's that's why I thought that the referee took the easy way out Agreed. instead of making yeah, the difficult I, I can call. I totally see that. Uh, then the second, Hagelin's unlucky though. Off of that, he has a good chance at the back post on right. the header as well for right. Vasquez. And the second half just kind of fizzled out, man. Like. TFC wasn't creating a lot. Like I said, where, where Shea Rue, his first instinct is to attack. Like, Marky's had a great year. His natural instinct is to play the ball quickly. But in that position, you're given so much time and space that he's not able to play the game at the pace that he does when he's further up the field. So it was a completely change of mindset, change of thought. And I think that he always chose, he ended up choosing the easier ball to make, which would oftentimes be square or passing it back rather than passing forward. Yeah, and, and that's difficult for, that's the toughest part of being a midfielder. And what goes a little bit unnoticed why Michael Bradley's so good, those little balls around the corner to speed play up, which go to Delgado and he carries it on by moving that ball quickly one or two touch. When you're starting that playoff and you need to create a little bit of space to play that ball around the corner or hit a long diagonal, that's maybe something he doesn't quite have yet that will come into to his game as he develops, but it's a big responsibility in there. So on the goal conceded, it's Armando Cooper that we're Wears the goat horns because he looks upfield <laughs> and he tried to play the ball forward. Wears the goat horns. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard that. I yeah, like yeah. That you haven't heard that. <laughs> no. Not the greatest of all no. time, Terry. No. We're going no. old school goat here, <laughs> not in a good way. Um, played the ball, was taken off, and Badgie goes the other way. In, in fairness, a good finish from Badgie goes under the legs of Nick Haglin into the back of the net. I mean, proper finish. Give him full credit. But the ball should never have been given away in that position. I didn't like the ball that was played to Cooper by Delgado. It was another case where he played the ball square into the middle of the park, not down one of the wings, but right in the middle of the park where Cooper has a man coming and closing him down. So he, I think he played his player into a little bit of danger to begin with. I'm not trying to let Cooper off the hook here, but it, to me it wasn't it just the entire buildup kind of represented about how the team played in the second half. Yeah, yeah, good point. I, th I thought Cooper had a brilliant gold cup. We saw, I think we saw Cooper at the end of last season. I think he, for Panama, played himself into the games nicely. He was good on the ball. 
saw a little change of pace which he's been lacking this year and I thought he really enjoyed himself so to come back to TFC and not carry that form on was a little bit disappointing I thought other than that he actually wiggled out of trouble a few times and looked good on the day but you can't cough up the ball in the middle of the park I know he's trying to play forward uh, he gets caught on it and then Badgy does really well he shows great strength to hold off Mavinga I think comes in on his left foot and it's a good finish nothing or one can yeah, do about it Colorado will just against the run of play, scores that goal. They were good on set pieces. Saeed is, is very good at his service, the left-footed uh, player. But other than that, offered very little. Yeah, good that, pick up. That, I liked him in Columbus. For, the, like for the last 20 minutes, it was Crampapalooza. It was players going down to the field every like Colorado came into the game. They had 18 days off. And TFC played Wednesday, sa- Saturday. And the stretcher was the man of the match for the Colorado Rapids. Four or five players went down. It became an absolute farce. I understand why they did it. Road point was big for them. It was just like a win. Team that hadn't got a point away from home all year. I get it. But that's not why fans tune in to watch on television. That's not why 30,000 people are in BMO Field to see players go down like flies. It was, it was, it was comical. It was a farce. No, it was horrible. I felt like I was watching a CONCACAF game in, <laughs> yeah. in Central America at times. Four, Like you say, four or five times players are, are going down way too easily. And yes, you can say it's good management, but met up game management. But no, I don't like that side of the game. It's horrible. I was sat watching with someone who was saying the same thing. We're scratching our heads. And TFC never really got into to a flow after that. No. That's up to a referee. Like, we see cards given away, given out for time-wasting. I mean, that's all that was. Come on. If it's a head injury, I get it. But cramping after, come on. It's just, it was poor form. And I think that left a bad taste in the mouths of everyone that was out there watching yeah. that game. Yeah, uh, and, and, and TMC well, fans are being treated to some spectacular football this year. Just the last 20 minutes, you just walked away from that game saying, really? Yeah, yeah. No, it was... Um it wasn't pretty. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't what we're used to at BMO. It was and, gross. And it, it was it, disgusting. One one other thing I, I took from the game that I've got written down. There was a good ball from Endo in behind to Ricketts. Ricketts tries to control it. I think he needs to hit that Wonderful first ball. time. Yeah. yeah, if he hits it first time, almost David like David Platt, that goal he scores. Uh, he's was caught. a tight angle though yeah. down the right hand side. Yeah. A man in the match. Uh, I like Chapman. I kind of want to just give it to Nick Haglin because it was great to see him get through ninety. Yeah, you know, I, after I, two months on the sidelines, uh, I thought, yeah, I'd probably go with Chapman. Yeah. Uh, I think he scored. Uh, he, he looked good. He played a couple of different positions in the game. Physically, this year he looks a lot stronger than last year. He's uh, he's not going missing in games either. I thought he was he drifted in and out of games a little bit last year. This year, uh, he's got more of a presence on the field. So TFC remain undefeated at home, a 1-1 final, and still top the MLS table on 40 points after New York City FC beat Chicago Fire 2-1 on the weekend. This is Come On You Reds. I'm Gareth Wheeler alongside Terry Dunfield. So I guess it's still mission accomplished for Toronto FC, right? Like, you get through a difficult period where you lose Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore, and Justin Morrow, among other players away for international duty. Still, you're feeling pretty good at the fact that you did pick up those two points. You would have loved a win and a draw, but still, Terry, you're still in first place in the conference, and that's what's all important right now. And you're still in pole position to pursue and kick on and get that supporters' shield. Yeah, I think it was an important point in New York to stop them from gaining three points on us. I, I think that was a was a big um, a, a big goal, the penalty at the end, and then against Colorado, I think those are 
possibly two points dropped. I, I think the fact that the team was winning, um, the fact that Colorado aren't good away from home on paper, this should have been three points, especially if everybody's fit, but that wasn't the case. And, and there'll be games throughout the course of the summer of the year in MLS and where, where things it's MLS. Things things don't yeah. go to plan. No, Greg Vanny wasn't on the sideline. It's always a little bit of a different feel without him on the bench. I like the mark of respect from uh, the coaching staff to leave his chair empty, whether it's superstition or respect. Um, I, I like that Robin Frazier didn't sit in the coach's chair. He was very casual. He looks like he was That's wearing his training gear. I, I loved it, actually. Rob is a proper coach, pro proper footballer as well. He still joins well. in five aside. I watched him in training. He could still play now. It's looks incredible fit. the shape he's in. So this Sunday's game, 2 p.m. at BMO Field. I mean, forget about TFC played New York 11 days prior. It's going to be a completely different game. You're on a bigger pitch. You have your full team, aside from Sheru, Betashur, who remain out for this team. I mean, Vanny's going to have the pick of the litter. Like, really, Moro's coming back fit. Bradley Altador, they just won the Gold Cup with the United States. So, and uh, Yangel Herrera, very important midfield player for New York. He's suspended as well after being sent off against Chicago last weekend. So that means you might bring in Pirlo, a slower, different type of player. So I think forget about what happened in New York. You're, this is going to be a completely different-looking matchup. Yeah, and I think TFC will go into this with a ton of confidence. And those players coming back really do give give the squad a lift. And and I think Josie Altador, he's he's probably my best player in the league right now. I I really would go really play. yeah. I think better than Via, better than Nikolic. He, yeah, I think he's I think he's been a real four. I, I I mean Michael Bradley's the heartbeat of the team. Don't get me wrong. Bradley's Juv still my MVP. And, and but Javinko's been magnificent and he keeps getting better and better. Uh, as he as he gets more games under his belt, but I, I think Josie Altidore at times has really been unplayable in, two, in at the end of last season and the, the way he started this year. So well, well, let's talk a little bit. I don't want to go too in depth on the Gold Cup, but the United States beat Jamaica two one on Wednesday night. Jordan Morris, the dramatic late winner in the 88th minute, but it was Josie Altidore's goal. I mean, free kick goal, which was outstanding well hit Ryan hits us up on Twitter and if you want to ask questions each and every week send them our way at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield he said based upon Josie Altidore's free kick taking ability should he take more for Toronto FC because you don't have just Altidore it's a great question because you have Javinko and you have Vasquez you have three players who are all legitimately brilliant at their craft would you like to see Altidore take some more set pieces it's a pretty VIP uh, free kick cue, isn't it? Yes. It's incredible. Uh, I, I think Javinko, he, he almost scored one the other day. Uh, McMathy just gambles and tips it over the bar. If he if he doesn't gamble, I think he scores uh, against uh, Colorado. But uh, going on his free kick last night, why not? I think he scored a similar free kick for TFC at the back end of the 2016 season at home against New York Red Bulls. Uh, he's got a, a different sort of technique to... and. Don't forget, Michael Bradley can step up and take a free kick as well. I, I think Javinko's got that sort of dipping knuckleball one in the locker. He's also got a dipping, bending one over over the wall. But what Altidore has is he's got a, a powerful, pacey, flat free kick, which almost like lasers into the top corner. And we saw that uh, in the Gold Cup final last night. So the United States wins, which shouldn't surprise anyone. They're on home field. They have like a lot of their top players. I know that Pulisic isn't there and some of the European-based players, but this team's good enough to win each and every time. Mexico fielded a second or third team because they played in the Confederations Cup. Like Overall, 
the tournament lacked a little bit of something for me. I guess the biggest takeaway from the Gold Cup are a couple things. Michael Bradley, the player of the tournament, played through just three games. Alfonso Davies, the young player of the tournament, Golden Boot. And maybe it was a Canadian performance that has had people in, across this country talking a little bit more about where the program's going. Is that fair for you? Is that your biggest takeaway from uh, the tournament? Yeah, I thought, I thought Canada put themselves back on the map a little bit. I think we found an identity. I think we're a young, exciting team now that, that's pretty dynamic. Uh, there's lots of, of flair up top, which is nice for a change, rather than being sort of a blue-collar team that just sort of sits back and, and tries to hit teams uh, on the counter. I, th I thought Davies was excellent all-tournament. I thought Junior Hoylet was very good. I still think we're missing a couple pieces at the back. I think we've got a good goalkeeper now who's confident, Milan Borian. He just got a big move to Red Star Belgrade, yep. so that'll be important. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kyle Laren. We'll get into him and Dom Dwyer maybe later on in this pod. Uh, but yeah, I, th I think Canada's showing was 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 excellent. I think surprise one or two, and 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 I think one or two will be now back on the Canada train and 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 say you know what this men's program is now going in the right direction. There, there was progress. I just don't want to celebrate it too much because after all, you came away from the tournament with a win, two draws, and a loss. Scotty okay. Arfield, he was good as I, well. I, I get it. I, I'm just not as high as a lot of people because this is very much a work in progress. And to take that next step, you talk about missing a couple pieces. Canada needs to find now. It's never been a problem in the past is that big, strong, commandeering center half. They don't, they don't have it in, in the team, which is crazy. Like, you see some of the young attacking talent. You're like, okay, like, this is good, but you need that. Who's Canada's center half of the future? That's what I don't know right now. Yeah. And we've seen young players Yakovich come through. I thought and Victoria did okay. I, I think one of my... Like where's Daniil Henry yeah, right now I, playing? Like, where are some of these young center halves? He's in, he's in Denmark now, and he's, he's struggled with injuries a little bit, and, and he could be the answer, I, maybe. I think Zambrano got it wrong by not playing James and having his pace in the side against uh, against Jamaica. And again, I don't think I would have played Laren. I would have stepped with Cavallini up front. Um, I, I thought Laren didn't do a whole bunch and probably should have scored his header. And... Kind of looked like his mind was elsewhere a little bit with, with what's going on. You on have the home to front. play him though, Terry. Like he's part of the future. He's 22. When this team is building towards 2026, and that's the 2022 Qatar is the initial goal, but it's 2026. He's going to be 31. He's going to be in his prime. Like this is this is what the gradual builds for, and you need to play him in big. I'm games. not doubting that, and and but when you've had a team come together come through some adversity, get out of the group stages in nice fashion, just changing things and that dynamic in, a, in the changing room, which is very fickle. One player can make that it, much it, of a it difference. It really can. And, and I think when Laren came off, I know there was a switch of tactics and Canada went to a back three and it wasn't just that. And Hoylet came inside and Tybert went out wide. But I thought the team looked better with Cavallini in the side, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I agree with you. I think Laren is the future, albeit he still is raw and has a lot to learn and, and develop his game. But I, I wouldn't I have touched things. Gold Cup was overall decent. I'd like to see it be played at just one or two or three locations. 
I all agree. over the map is like Phoenix and Dallas and and, and I, I agree. Cause the couple times I've been been and played in it, you're you're kind of traveling and, and it's awesome play, traveling uh, private airlines and going to these different cities and stuff. But there's no need to travel as much. It's difficult for supporters because you can't really follow the team because it's all the way across North America. I'd like to see that. Just going back to the final, I thought Bradley was superb. I thought Altidore was good. U.S. by far had the most quality, especially when they brought in Dempsey. And, and Howard and Bradley and Eltador into the into the sort of stages after the group stages, should I say, into the knockout phase. I thought the Mexican side were a little bit disappointing. Uh, yes, they're looking ahead and, and widening their pool, and players were at the Confeds, as you said. Uh, I thought Jamaica deserve a ton of credit. That they had a game plan. They they executed it. They were disciplined. They were very well organized defensively. There's one or two players who are playing in that team in the USL who probably get moves on the back of the right. tournament or get more play time. It's funny how a player like Andre Blake can have all sorts of plaudits. Meanwhile, in MLS, like he's kind of an afterthought. Uh, well, he was the 2016 goalkeeper of the year. I wouldn't say he's afterthought, but well, but I just even I think when I look at MLS, poor, I think he's on a poor team. Well, that, that's that. Maybe that's the biggest thing, okay? Because when I hear 2016 goalkeeper of the year, I'm like, really? Like, to me, he's always good, not great. He had a great tournament, mind you, but it's always oftentimes with the context of who you're playing with. I agree. Yeah. So. And then just going back to Michael Bradley on player of the tournament, having only played three games. Can't be. I was, no I was, offense to Michael, but you can't we, be. We were, talking, we were talking in the studio, though, and I gave it to him. I, I said it would be him before. Um, just pat myself on the back. But <laughs> I, uh, sorry. That, so uh, I thought about it, though. I think the MVP has to come from a winning team. Yep. Would, I don't know. Would you agree with That's that? That's fine. Yeah. So then you look at the U.S. team. Who could get it? So who's been there all tournament? Maybe Morris, but has he really been the player of the tournament? Maybe Gonzalez? I don't know. But if you look at who Morris, the best Nagby, player... Morris, Nagby. I, 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 I thought Nagby did okay in the semis and final. Not brilliant. I thought there were better players. Areola sort of did okay, but didn't really light it up. I, th I thought Michael Bradley, uh, possibly Josie Elsa, those were the two real difference makers and Clint Dempsey in the semifinals. So. so a decent Gold Cup. Good news. We're back to normal proceedings when it comes to MLS action. Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield with you. This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. And when it comes to MLS, a ton of news and notes. Some big moves around the league, Terry. Namely, Dom Dwyer, one of the top goal scorers over the last three or four seasons in MLS. He moves on from Sporting Kansas City, gets traded to Orlando City. A ton of allocation money going the other way. Upwards of 1.3, 1.4, 1.5 million dollars going the other way. I heard 1.6. Gam and Tam, sure, might as well go 1.7. Just a ton of money going the other way. What do you make of this move and how this plays out? And what this means for both sides? Sporting Kansas City is one of the top teams in the Western Conference. Conference. European transfer market's got nothing on us, does it? <laughs> or China. No. Uh, I think it's good. I think it's an awesome fit. Uh, the Orlando fans will know him. He did really well uh, when he went on loan there, won, won the A-League or the USL at the time uh, with, with Orlando. You know exactly what you're going to get with Dom Dwyer when you sign a player within the league who's done so well for so many years. He guarantees you probably 15 to, to 20 goals. Uh, I think it's a good move. His all-action style will really endear himself to the fans and obviously he's a proven goal scorer in this league which which are expensive 55 goals over the last four years i'm not a huge fan of dom dwyer i think he can be a little bit hit or miss but jason christ and his orlando city team 
I think they've only they've only scored twenty two goals. Only DC United and Colorado scored fewer, and that's a team with 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 Laren on it. He may move on. Do you think this means that Laren's gone, or do you think this is a case of just looking out of this Orlando team? They got a new stadium, great fan base. They need something, and they believe that they can make a push right here, right now. No, I think I think Laren's going to move on. I don't see those two playing well together. I, I, I don't see them being a good fit. I think they both like to lead the line. I think Kaká likes to sort of play underneath. So if you play with two strikers and Kaká, I, I think that's a little bit too attacking for me. Uh, I, I think Laren's going to move on. I think there's speculation that he could go to Besiktas. I think that would be a good fit for him uh, with the Tiba there. there. There's talks of Fulham interested in him. So I think for Orlando to spend all that money and bring a player like him in, there's always a conveyor belt, and, and there's always got to be... Is Laren ready to move on to Europe? I think a place like Fulham or Besiktas, yes. Do I think he's ready for the Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga? No. Okay. It, it's a big move. Sporting Kansas City, they've been linked to Christian Nemeth, like a former um, Kansas City player for quite some time. It's not like for like, though. And, and I wonder if they're just looking at the Western Conference saying, well, we can afford to make this move, take in the money now, bring in maybe someone else that's not a Dom Dwyer, and still be very competitive in the Western Conference. Who's this, sorry? Kansas City. Yeah, I'm not sure what Kansas does, to, to be 100% honest. Well, they have to add I, now. I think they do need to add. I, I think that they uh, have always had a team-first mentality. It's always been about a high press, a certain way of playing, and, and whoever is up front needs to fit into that. And, and I think Nemeth, he's, again, he, he's another all-action. He'll work hard for the team. But he's, he's better got, he's got a, a little, little bit, bit towards the outside. A, a little bit, and, and he's, he's, he's got a little bit of skill to his game. But the fans, who, who are one of the best fan groups in the league in, in, in sporting, will want a replacement. Um, well, they're second place in the West right now. Houston's right behind them. They've added another Argentine player. I mean, like, look out for Houston. Look out for Dallas. The power resides in Texas. And, and, and that's one of the, the problems with the salary cap league and, and a team being successful. is Players come in, they want raises, they, they want new deals, and at times you can't keep everybody. So Kansas City obviously have a lot of money to spend. Other teams will know that right now, and I'm sure they have replacements. And I believe up. Dwyer is due for a new contract after 2018. And I guess they believe that they weren't seeing eye to eye. It's better to move on now. That's just a massive move in MLS. Another big move broke this morning. Kurt Nolfo, the manager, the head coach of the Los Angeles Galaxy, fired Siggy Schmidt, the former Sounders man, comes in. Guess who plays Saturday Saturday night? Galaxy Sounders in a big game for both teams because Seattle's really struggled on the year as well. The Galaxy only on 22 points. It's been a nightmare. But I don't put this all on Kurt Nolfo. This Galaxy team isn't your uncle's Galaxy team. They're makeshift at best. They simply don't have the talent, Terry. They don't. I, th- I think at the start of the year, they, they look to promote within, and, and really, I think they believe that their second team, LA2, were good enough, some of these players, to move up into the first team. And at the time, I think they thought they were good enough. Uh, and I know they've had a couple of injuries. Legit, it hasn't been fit. LA's been brutal at home. I think that's probably what's cost Anelfo his job. And in recent weeks, he has been dead man walking a little bit. I think this will be a little bit of relief for everybody, uh, bar Anelfo connected with with LA. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much money Ziggy Schmidt's 
been given to Spen. Well, they've been linked to Jonathan DeSantos, the brother yeah. of Giovanni, yeah. coming from Villarreal. And, and was, I like uh, the player. Yeah. I don't love the player. Uh, I do. I, I, I think he'll, he'll definitely bring something. And I thought the fact that he's he's going to come in might have given Anelfo a little bit more time. Um, but I guess LA want to try and salvage their season. And there's still a lot of football ahead for Ziggy Schmidt to turn this team no around. No kidding. We only have a couple minutes left. So teams are wheeling and dealing. Uh, Toronto FC's brought in one player, Nico Hasler. Do you think they need to make another move? Especially with Shea Ruhurt. It's a tough one for this team. TFC has limited resources right now available in terms of cap space and, and time again, but they do have enough money to make a move if they want. I, and I, I think, don't think they moved to make what, a move I for think, just this I, year. I think what they do have is they have a lot of assets in their team. I think there's a lot of clubs calling TFC, asking and inquiring about players, but what TFC don't want to do is... is lose anyone it, that changing room's fickle and everybody's contributing everybody knows their role within this team so i think it's important that yes tfc might want to bring a player in i, I don't know exactly where they're at with with their finances and, sure. and cap but but what i i'd be surprised if tfc lose anyone to bring somebody else in i still think there's enough cover in the middle of the park players can play in there um and i'm interested to see uh what, what the new boy can do as good well. news is tfc's not in stopgap mode if you're going to bring in a player it's not just for now it's for the future as well but this is such a busy schedule don't forget that players are going to the all-star game next week after um it's just so much football in the back of the gold cup as well bradley elton at some point are going to need a breather good stuff pal he is terry dunfield I am Gareth Wheeler. TFC New York City FC, 2 p.m. Sunday at Beemel Field on TSN and TSN 1050. We'll be back next week. This has been Come On You Reds.